0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. All right, Um, so this is our final sermon in this sermon series. It's our last sermon. This is the the Baptist faith sermon series um, where we've gone through and we've Asked the different AI chatbots what uh, Southern Baptists believe about different specifics about our faith. Um, I use the the Baptist faith and message as kind of an outline for this sermon series. And uh, each week, what we've done is we'll go through and we'll ask the question to the different chatbots. I've read the different chatbots' answers to the question compared that with the Baptist faith and message, and then went back finally and hit the, um, the, the Bible and th- to see what the Bible says about these different topics. Now, this morning, we're talking about what do Southern Baptists believe about the family. And since it's the last sermon in the sermon series, I thought it would be the perfect time to change up the order or the, the sermon outline, all right? So this morning, instead of doing our normal sermon outline, I'm changing the whole thing. So there are seven points in this sermon, and that's, uh, so what do we believe about the family? Those seven points are marriage, gender, parents, children, sanctity of life, divorce, and extended family. Um, so, with this being the last sermon in the sermon series, why would I change up the order? Well, the reason I'm doing that is because over the past few weeks, ChatGPT and Microsoft Bing have had uh, very similar answers in some ways. They they both did a really good job of kind of summarizing uh, our statements of doctrine or our statements of faith on these different points. Um, Bing was much more concise, but ChatGPT was much more precise, uh, more detailed, but they were hitting the same points a lot of times. Um, and so the only difference this week was that Bing didn't offer any new insight. Uh, there was no information that Bing gave that was not in ChatGPT uh, or in the Baptist Faith and Message. <clears throat> I am still going to provide the links that, that uh, Bing gave, but uh, in an effort to be more clear in the sermon and and more concise. Instead of saying the same thing three or four different ways, um, I'm changing the delivery. Um, So in those increasingly rare instances where chat GPT is wrong, I'm still gonna correct it. Spoiler alert, it didn't really get anything wrong this week, so I'm not gonna have to go back and correct anything. However, it did miss two really important details that I thought should have been in there. So it didn't really get anything wrong, it just kind of missed a couple things. So since it does such a good job of detailing what we believe about family, I'm just going to go through with each one of the different points that it makes and then add the scripture back into it. So think about last week, right? In last week's sermon, after I read ChatGPT's answer, I said, that's a really good answer. The only thing that's missing is the scripture. Well, this week, I'm just going to throw the scripture in with it. Um, After I go through all that, I'm going to read the Baptist Faith and Message kind of as our final summary of our beliefs about the family. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I'll pray, and then we'll get into the sermon. Heavenly Father, Lord, as as we dig into your word to answer this question, Lord, about what we believe about the family, Lord, I pray that you will reveal your truth to us. God, I pray that you will give us clarity and understanding. Lord, I pray that you will help us to surrender to your will more each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, you may have noticed... In the introduction to the sermon this morning, I didn't say anything about um, Google Bard. Well, that's because when I asked Google Bard what we believe about the family, it says, I'm designed solely to process and generate text, so I'm unable to assist you with that. (laughs) Pretty much the same thing it said last week. Different wording, but the same thing it said last week. Um, Even though it's had no problems giving answers to the 12 previous questions that I asked it, the last two weeks, it says, no, I'm not going to answer that for you. All right, so let's go to ChatGPT. Now, before we get to ChatGPT, I want you to turn, turn to Genesis chapter 2, okay? That feels really weird, got to say. I'm going to read an answer from ChatGPT, but I'm asking you to open your Bibles to Genesis 2. Um, <clears throat> but like I said earlier, I'm going to show the biblical basis for our beliefs that ChatGPT is giving us. Well, ChatGPT is telling us about. Uh, so, um, when I asked what do Southern Baptists believe about the family, it says, Southern Baptists, like other Baptists, place a strong emphasis on the family as a fundamental unit of society. While there may be variations among individuals and congregations, here are some common beliefs held by Southern Baptists about the family. One, marriage. Southern Baptists believe that marriage is a sacred covenant between one man and one woman. They emphasize the importance of lifelong commitment, fidelity, and mutual support in marriage. So, where do we get that from? Right? So, ChatGPT says this is what Southern Baptists believe about marriage. Yes, that is what we believe about marriage. Where do we get that from? Well, <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 2, we see... Sorry, give me a second. <coughs> hopefully that'll work. All right, so in Genesis chapter two, starting at verse 18, we read, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'm gonna take a quick pause right there real quick. All through Genesis chapter one, as God is going through the different parts of creation, or as Moses is telling us about the the different days of creation and what God did, at the end of each day, after God created something, every day it says, and God saw that it was good. Or God said that it was good. I've talked about that phrase several times, that in Hebrew, that that word good means that it is reflecting its intended purpose. It's doing what it was supposed to do. It's operating according to its intended design. So that's God's design. When he created something and it was doing what it was supposed to do, he says it is good. So now six days of creation and then one day of rest, but the six days of creation, God said it is good. The, the Hebrew mind, as they're listening to this or reading this, they would have picked up on that pattern. God does something, and he says it's good. God does something, he says it's good. He creates this, it's good. It's operating according to its intended design. It's doing what it's supposed to do. That's good. And now we get to chapter 2, and it says, it, says, it is not good for man to be alone. That would have hit those Hebrew ears like a, like a ton of bricks. They would have picked up on that. It is not good for man to be alone. This is not operating according to the way it was designed. So God says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Continuing in verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So, in Genesis chapter 2, we see God notices something in his creation. And he says, that's not good. It is not good for man to be alone. And his remedy for that is to bring a woman for him. That is good. That was, it, it, it brought creation back into order. And it says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and joins his wife in one flesh. In this passage, we see that marriage is the first human-to-human relationship. Right? Before this, Adam was in the garden, he was with God, and so there's that human and God relationship. We read that that God brought all the animals to Adam and he named them all. And so there's this human to the rest of creation relationship. But this marriage right here is the first human-to-human relationship. It is the basis of society the fundamental building blocks that the rest of society is built off of. Jesus quotes this text in Mark 10. um, He says, But God made the male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, we're going to come back to Mark 10 in a little bit when we talk about divorce, but but we see here that marriage is supposed to be a, a binding, lifelong union between a man and a woman. Now, I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 1. In the passages that we've read so far, it stated this this positive example of uh, marriage between a man and a woman. But Romans clearly teaches us that the opposite of that is wrong. Romans clearly teaches that the opposite of a man and woman in marriage is wrong. Homosexuality and same-sex marriage are clearly not part of God's plan, and it is sinful. So Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 25, Paul says, They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged with sex with each other. And the man, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. So we see clearly in God's word that homosexuality is condemned. It is sinful. It is not according to God's design. Marriage is to be one man and one woman in union. All right, so turn to Ephesians chapter five. All right, so the next point that ChatGPT gave or gives is about gender roles. Now, I doubt that I offended or surprised anybody with what I was just teaching about with homosexuality, but this part of the doctrine is unpopular even among many who would call themselves conservative Christians. But just because it's unpopular or even difficult, that doesn't mean that we should shy away from it. So, uh, ChatGPT, when it comes to what Southern Baptists believe about the family, ChatGPT mentions gender roles. So number two, gender roles. Southern Baptists generally uphold traditional gender roles within the family. They believe that the husbands are called to be the spiritual leaders and providers for their families, while wives are called to submit to their husbands' leadership and love and respect. So where do we get that idea from? Well, that comes from, partially at least, comes from Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Right, Ephesians 5.22 says, For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the, Christ submit, or sorry, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, because of feminism, the idea that a wife should submit to her husband is seen as backwards, patriarchal, misogynistic, and sexist. But we see the truth according to God's word. That the wife is to submit to her husband. All right? Now, on the other hand, a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? Well, it's unconditional, sacrificial love. Unconditional love. Sacrificial love. It's the same love that Jesus has for the church. If we keep reading, Paul clarifies that for us. For husbands... This means love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Now, one of the things about this passage that kind of It's hard for men, right? We talk about sacrificial love. Well, you know what? She's not perfect. So that unconditional love, she messes up all the time. But you know what? Right here it's talking about, well, Christ died for the church. He sacrificed for the church to bring her into holiness. Now, it's not going to be the same for a husband and wife, but yes, our husbands, our wives are not perfect. But even when she's not perfect, we still sacrifice and love her. Now, we turn that around and look at the wives. When we look at wives and, and, and it, this idea of submitting to the husband, like I said, that, that sounds backwards. It sounds like something that's, well, it doesn't sound unpopular. It is unpopular nowadays. But when the husband loves his wife in a way that we just read, it does make it easier for the wife to submit to the husband to respect and to submit to his leadership. We are all sinful. So yes, wives, your husband is going to mess up. He's going to mess up a lot. I mess up a lot. But even still, the wife submits to the husband. The husband loves the wife unconditionally and sacrificially. When a man loves his wife in this way, then her submitting to him is not detrimental, but rather leads to flourishing and greater fulfillment. It goes back to... God saw that it was good. If this is the way that God designed marriage to work, when marriage works that way, it is reflecting its intended purpose. And it is good. It's operating according to God's design. If God designed something to work this way, then that's the way that it's going to work best. So when God says it is good, it's operating according to its design. right? So if this is how God designed marriage to work, marriage is going to work best in that way. And since we believe that marriage is the fundamental unit, it is the foundation of the rest of civilization, when marriage is operating according to God's design, then the rest of society will flourish as well. When we look at the news and we see so much brokenness in our society, we look at the news and we see so much hatred and murder and and just wrong, stealing and theft and and, and all, all this bad stuff happening in the news, it's no wonder that this is happening, because as a society, we have been tearing up the, 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 the foundation that our civilization is built on, because we devalued marriage long ago, generations ago. We started to devalue marriage, and what we see now in our society is just the natural outgrowth of that. So, if we can get the marriage to operate according to God's design, then Downstream, all these other problems will get better. I'm not going to say it's going to be perfect because we're still broken people. We're still sinful people. We still live in broken creation. But it will be better. It will be more according to God's design. Now, for the third point given to Chat GPT, or given by ChatGPT, turn to Deuteronomy 6. Now, in Deuteronomy 6, or in the third point that ChatGPT is given, it's talking about parental responsibility. It's the, the natural outgrowth of a loving marriage is offspring, right? Adam and Eve are commanded to multiply and fill the earth. But once that happens, what do we do with these tiny little humans? What do we do with these tiny little noisy, needy, messy humans? What are we supposed to do with them? Well, ChatGPT says, Southern Baptists believe that parents have the primary responsibility for spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being of their children. They encourage parents to raise their children in the teaching of the Bible and model Christian values in their daily lives. Yes, absolutely. Uh, This morning in Sunday school, we'd go right along with this. We talked about um, pros and cons of giving your children chores. I think that falls right in this parental responsibility. We as parents have a responsibility to teach our children their own responsibility to teach them to be sufficient and to be able to do for themselves some things and so that when they grow up and move out of the household, they're not helpless. They can do some for themselves. Uh, But all the way back in Deuteronomy 6, right, Moses writes, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. We keep reading. Repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your, heart, of your house and on your gates. See, Moses teaches us that we are to teach our children God's word and God's expectations. This is not limited simply to teaching lessons, but in modeling a lifestyle of godliness and surrender to him. I cannot expect my children to grow up and love the Lord if they don't see me doing that. I cannot expect my children to grow up and show a a loving relationship to their spouses if Hannah and I don't model that. So yes, we teach our children the Bible, but we also model biblical truth to them in our lives. We're also not just to instruct in the positive sense, but we're also to correct wrong behaviors. Over in Proverbs 13, and we read this in Sunday school this morning, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Ooh, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, it may not always feel like it, but discipline is an act of love. When you're receiving discipline, it might not feel like you're receiving love, but discipline is an act of love. Parents who discipline their children reinforce what is right by correcting what is wrong. This sets the child up for greater success. Therefore, on the, oppo- the opposite, right, if parents fail to discipline their children, they're setting them up for failure. Speaking of children, that brings us to the next point. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. While you're turning there, here's what ChatGPT says about children. Southern Baptists view children as a blessing from God and advocate for their protection, nurturing, and education. They believe that parents should discipline their children with love and consistent guidance while recognizing the individuality and unique needs of each child. So parental responsibility is not just about teaching and disciplining our children. We are also to protect and to nurture them. They are a blessing from God and should be cherished. Children are a blessing from God. In Psalm 127, starting in verse 3, It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a a reward for him. Sorry. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So that's where we get this idea that children are a blessing from God. Okay. Now here, this is, this is the first thing that I think ChatGPT missed, right? It's obviously pretty important because it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? In Exodus 20, God, tell, or God says, Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So our belief about children is not just limited to how children or how parents should raise their children, but it includes how children are to relate to their parents, right? We honor our parents. This means that we respect them and we are obedient to them. There are other scriptures, especially in the New Testament epistles, that expand on this. But for now, we'll just leave it at respecting and obeying our parents, like in Exodus. Uh, sorry, I already had that Exodus 20:12 up there. Sorry. Um, so now, for the fifth point, I want you to turn to Leviticus 18. All right, Leviticus 18 is not the first passage that I'm going to go to, but this is going to be that'll be the main focus for this, right? um, The fifth point that ChatGPT makes about what we believe about the family, it talks about sanctity of life. And so ChatGPT says, Southern Baptists hold a pro-life stance, affirming the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death. They oppose abortion, euthanasia, and any form of assisted suicide. Yes, absolutely. That is a correct statement, but where do we get that belief from? Well, this starts it starts in Genesis chapter one, right? But it's fleshed out more in other chapters. In Genesis one twenty seven, we read that God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. Right? Every human life is sacred and has value because every human life is created in the image of God. Every single human is an image bearer of God, so they are valuable. They deserve protection and honor. We are to cherish and honor and protect every human life. No innocent human life should be ended. Murder is wrong. Everyone knows that. All societies around the world understand that murder is wrong. It's one of those universal moral laws. Murder is wrong. Everybody knows that. Plus, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? But instead of, of looking at that, let's look at Leviticus 18, so in Leviticus 18, verse 21, Moses is here and he's, he's relaying this word from God about how the Israelites are supposed to act now that they're out of Egypt and they're heading into the promised land. What should they do? How should they act? How are they going to reflect God's character to the people around them? So in Leviticus 18, 21, it says, do not permit any of your children to be offered as a sacrifice to Molech. For you must not bring shame on the name of your God. I am the Lord. God made it clear to the Israelites that they were not to sacrifice their children to Molech. Now, Molech was one of the regional idols <clears throat> in the land that they were going to be going into. Right When the Israelites went into the promised land, it wasn't empty. There were other cultures already living there. And the Israelites went in and, and had to kick them out of the promised land so they could inherit the promised land. But... One of the idols that was being worshipped there by the other peoples was Molech. And the way that people worshipped Molech was they would burn their children as a sacrifice to Molech. It was a fire sacrifice. God says, don't do that. It's wrong. That's blasphemy against my name. The The child sacrifice is blasphemy against God. Now, I don't know anybody who still worships Molech. I have, haven't heard of anybody actually worshiping Molech at any point in my life. right? So what does this have to do with us? Well, he's simply been replaced by other idols with other names. Other idols such as personal autonomy, that I get to choose what's right for my own life. That's personal autonomy. Nobody else can be the boss of me. That's personal autonomy. or. It could be the idol of secularism, right? Personal autonomy and secularism both demand that we sacrifice our children. Now, we don't sacrifice them through fire like they did for Molech, but they sacrifice through abortion. Personal autonomy and secularism have this same demand. We worship personal autonomy, we worship secularism through child sacrifice. They have different names but it's the same thing. And just like in Leviticus, it is blasphemy against God. Now, if you've made it this far and I have not offended you, good job, but I'm not done yet. Now, it's not my, point, it's not my goal here to offend anybody, but when I want you to turn to Mark 10. <clears throat> the sixth point that ChatGPT makes about our beliefs on the family, it's a very sensitive topic and it is a very emotionally charged topic. And this is divorce. Right, so what do we believe about divorce? While Southern Baptists acknowledge that divorce is a reality in some circumstances, they generally believe that marriage should be preserved and restored whenever possible. They encourage couples facing marital difficulties to seek counseling and support from their church community. But where do we get these beliefs? Right, well, there are many different places in scripture, but one of the most clear and concise is in Mark 10. I told you we'd come back to this passage in Mark 10. Uh, starting in verse six, Jesus quotes Genesis. He says, "But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together." A really good example of this came from a movie. Oh gosh, it's probably 15 years old now, um, called Fireproof. Um, and in that movie, it's about marriage and it's about protecting marriage. Um, and it's a firefighter, and he's having some serious marital problems, and they're on the verge of divorce. Um, and the, his chief comes to him, and he's trying to encourage him to stay with his wife, and he's given him some good biblical counseling. And one of the examples that he gives <clears throat> he takes the salt, the salt shaker and the pepper shaker, and he super glues them together. Right? So the, the two have become one, they're chemically bonded together. Right? Super glue is not like regular glue, it doesn't just stick things together. Super glue chemically bonds things together. And so once that superglue is set, this firefighter who's having problems with his marriage, the the chief hands it to him and he says, now take those apart. He says, I can't take them apart. It'll break them. They'll be no good anymore. And the chief says, that's exactly what marriage is. That's how it works. The two join together in one flesh. You cannot separate them without brokenness. Marriage should not be ended easily. Let no man or let no one split apart what God has joined together. We keep reading, Later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again, and he told them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. If a woman divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. So, marriage is supposed to be a binding covenant between husband and wife. With the exception of extreme cases, like abandonment or adultery um, or abuse, marriage should be protected and not separated. This is why courtship is important. The modern idea of dating is very shallow. Courtship is a process where you truly get to know this other person before you marry them, right? It's important because you have to get to know this person that you're going into covenant with God to spend the rest of your life with them. Is this somebody, sorry, is this other person, somebody with God's help that you will be able to spend the next 70 or 80 years with? If not, well, don't marry him. If they're showing signs of abuse or abandonment, don't marry him. This is also why most Southern Baptist pastors that I know insist on premarital counseling. It just helps to get to know the other person, asking some questions that you might not think of on your own. Now, for the final point made by ChatGPT, I want you to turn to Proverbs 17. Or Proverbs 17.6. This point in Chat GPT is about extended family. It's not one that I, I don't think I would have brought up on my own without ChatGPT mentioning it. Um, it's not wrong, this point here is not wrong, and it is kind of, it's true about what we believe, but it's not really super prevalent, and it's not very prominent in scripture either. It's more of a, a natural conclusion, given everything else that we've already talked about. So, extended family, ChatGPT says, Southern Baptists value the importance of extended family relationships. They believe in honoring and caring for parents, grandparents, and other family members, recognizing the significance of intergenerational connections. Now, like I said, this is not a topic that's very prominent in Scripture. Right? The Bible doesn't have a lot to say about aunts or uncles or cousins or, or other extended family members. But in Proverbs seventeen six, we see, Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. One of my college professors, Dr. Gary Wright, he once said that the real reason to have children is so that you can have grandchildren. Now, he wasn't trying to be 100% accurate with that, right? do not The real reason we have children is not just to have grandchildren. But he was trying to relay this same point that, that Proverbs is saying. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Children are a blessing. Absolutely. We already talked about that. But they are a struggle too. Anybody who's ever been a parent or been around a parent or been around a child, we all understand. Parenting is a struggle. Children are a blessing, but parenting's not easy. But the parent's reward is grandchildren. Now, of course, ChatGPT is not done yet. Uh, It always ends these answers with something recognizing our denominational structure and church autonomy, right? Uh, So it finishes, It's important to note that individual beliefs and practices may vary among Southern Baptists, and the above points represent general tendencies within the Southern Baptist tradition. With all that said, I will say ChatGPT did a really great job of outlining Southern Baptists' beliefs about the family, or to be more specific, about the biological family. But there's a very important detail that's missing from all of this. And unfortunately, it's also not mentioned in the Baptist Faith and Message. So this is the spiritual family. Turn to Mark chapter 3. In this passage, Jesus redefines the family or he at least expands our understanding of who our family members are. Familial relationships are not limited simply to those people who we share DNA with. Instead, people who are sorry, instead our family includes those people who are obedient to God. So in Mark chapter 3, verse 33, Jesus replied, "Who is my mother and who are my brothers?" Then he looked at those around him and said, "These are my mother and brothers." Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. See, our our family includes all who are saved. In the New Testament, as you read through the New Testament, when believers are addressing each other, usually they say brother or brothers and sisters. Because we recognize that those who are saved are all part of one giant family. Those who are saved are God's children. Unfortunately, If you're not saved, you are not a member of this family. However, if you, sorry, if you're not saved, you're not a member of this family. However, if you call out to him, you can be reconciled with your heavenly father. See, we are born sinful. We are born as people who have rejected God. When we choose sin, we reject God. We send ourselves out of that family. But Jesus came and he sacrificed himself on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled with our Father and we could be adopted back into that family. We could be adopted back into the family of Christians all around the world. All these Christians all around the world, we are one family. Everywhere we go around the world, we have brothers and sisters because we are one giant family. You can be reconciled to him. You can be welcomed back into this family if you will just place your faith in Jesus and trust in him for salvation. Now, as members of this family, we love each other and we hold each other accountable to sanctification as written in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. So we encourage each other. We hold each other accountable to sanctification. That's growing closer to God, growing more like God. Now, what application do we get from this? What application do we take from this, this, our beliefs about the family? So first, to know, to know what we believe about the family. And like I said, I'm going to use the Baptist faith message to summarize this. God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. It is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, blood, or adoption. Marriage is the uniting of one man and one woman in covenant commitment for a lifetime. It is God's unique gift to reveal the union between Christ and his church and to provide for the man and the woman in marriage the framework for intimate companionship, the channel for sexual expression according to biblical standards, and the means for procreation of the human race. The husband and wife are of equal worth before God, since both are created in God's image. uh, Sorry, equal worth before God, since both are created in God's image. The marriage relationship models the way God relates to his people. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He has the God-given responsibility to provide for, to protect, and to lead his family. A wife is to submit herself graciously to the servant leadership of her husband, even as the church willingly submits to the headship of Christ. She, being in the image of God, as is her husband, and thus equal to him, has the God-given responsibility to respect her husband and to serve as his helper in managing the household and nurturing the next generation. Children from the moment of conception are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. Parents are to demonstrate to their children their children, God's pattern for marriage: Parents are to teach their children spiritual and moral values, and to lead them through consistent lifestyle example and loving discipline to make choices based on biblical truth. Children are to honor and obey their parents. So that's what we believe about the family. Our next application point is to be a good member of the family. All right. So husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Not easy. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband's leadership and respect them. Not easy. Parents, raise up, your instruction, or raise up your children in the instruction and discipline of God and His Word. Again, that's not easy. Nobody said this was easy. Family is hard. We all know that family is hard. But with God's help, we can bring our families back into God's design. Children, honor and obey your parents. Christians, love one another and encourage one another in matters of sanctification. If you are not a member of the family of God, then make the decision today to become one surrender to God and call out to him for salvation John 1 12 tells us but to all who believed him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God if you are contemplating that decision or making that decision today please come see me during the invitation time or after service and we can talk more about it our due application is to grow the family biologically God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply since children are a blessing to God, we honor and cherish babies, and we recognize that more babies means more image bearers to worship and glorify God. This is a major reason why conservative Christian families tend to be big families. But just as we, as we just said, our family is not limited just to our biological family. Right? Repeatedly throughout the New Testament, Christians are encouraged to share God's word and to spread the gospel to the lost so they can be saved and become a child of God. So go out and grow the family by spreading the gospel and leading others to place their faith in Jesus for their salvation. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, God, we thank you for the time we have to come together to worship you. Lord, we thank you for the truth that's in your word. Lord, even though it's a difficult truth sometimes, and being obedient to your word is hard a lot of times, Lord, I pray that you will work on our hearts to help us to surrender more to you each and every day. God, if there's anybody here who is not in this family, Lord, I pray that you will touch their hearts and draw them into you, draw them towards you so they can be welcomed back into this family, God. They can be adopted back in as your children. Father, I know we've, we've talked about a lot of different topics this morning and, and a lot of people might have, I don't know, a lot of... Sensitive topics, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you will touch all of our hearts and help us all to recognize your truth and to surrender to your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit victorybaptisthopemills.com or facebookcom VBC Hope Mills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.